0: You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Yes, which way, what, when, how? Mister Auto D the track right now.
1: Hey, everybody! Thanks for tuning in on this beautiful Monday evening here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, broadcasting live from Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Network Studios, high above Camelback Road. My guest on the Auto D Show this evening is a member of the Arizona Blues Hall of Fame and a man that has graced stages from the western coast of the USA to the northern fjords of Scandinavia with his saucy southern roots music style for over 40 years. The one and only Chuck Hall will be joining us right after this first song from uh, the Fervor Records collection called Heaven by the Sugar Thieves. Check it out.
0: I tried to make a living out of loving you. I tried to get to heaven, wound up singing the blues. Walk the road I laid down. Lord, I walk right back again. Oh, yeah, yeah. There ain't no room in heaven, baby. Oh, no room, honey, for my sin. Well, I cried a million tear drops. Just waiting on the sun. Try to chase my fears on a day, nowhere to run. Held on to my fighting, though. Even when those bets were low. There ain't no room in heaven, baby. Oh, no room, to Throw my soul. Beneath her tie. When I find my soul, you know I only lost my mind. Well, I climbed the highest mountain. I still couldn't reach the sky. And you know I tried. Ain't no room in heaven, baby. Ain't no room, baby, when I die. Begging well, you no know loneliness. Won't answer when you call. You are- You're listening to Auto D, coming at you live.
1: And that was Heaven by the Sugar Thieves here on the Auto D show, which is brought to you this evening by Fervor Records, uh, a company I like to call the TV and film industry's favorite musical playground, and uh, Fauna Films, storytelling with a bit of a stretch. And without further ado, let me introduce to you a blues dynamo with uncompromising dedication to his art, a man whose unique talent has earned him such awards as. Best Blues Guitarist in Arizona, and Best Song by Soundboard Magazine for his original tune titled Young Boy, which I'm hoping we have a chance to listen to a little bit later on. He, share, he has shared the stage with B.B. King, Johnny Winters, Robert Gray, Greg, excuse me, Greg Alman, Willie Dixon, Los Lobos, and so many more. Uh, there's no point in listing them all. And at this time, I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Chuck
2: Hall. How are you doing, Chuck? Otto, I'm doing great. And thanks for having me on, man. It's
1: great to have you on. In fact, I've waited way too long. Well, <laughs> I don't know how that happened. I, I don't either. It's you know, just one of those things. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's always fun. Uh, you know, We've known each other for years on and off, running into each other in the studio biz. But um, when I get people in here that I've only worked with one, two, three times, I know them personally, but I don't really know their history. And I learned so mm-hmm. much about my friends when I get them in here for an hour and I get to grill them. So this is going to be fun for me.
2: That's why you do the radio show. That's so,
1: right. Yeah. That's the only interest. I can really find out what's going on behind everybody. But uh, you've got a lot going on that's interesting. Uh, you've got a brand new kind of style of music that you're playing around with.
2: Yes. It's a, uh, I do it solo, instrumental, on a nylon string guitar.
1: Okay, stop, because anybody who knows you has to hear that again.
2: Okay. Solo, <laughs> instrumental, on a nylon string guitar.
1: For Chuck Hall.
2: And it's uh, everything. I, it's not genre specific. It's mm-hmm. just everything that I ever heard. All the elements just kind of crash around in my head, and then come out and end up on my guitar, basically.
1: Okay, now that's a big change from you know your roots and what you've been doing, and your reincarnations of your other you know, well, your other bands. And-
2: when I tell you all about my roots, if we get into that. It, it might we'll make more it? sense at that point.
1: Well, it sounds like a great idea. I <clears throat> want to play some of that stuff but before we do. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's just take that little journey. Where were you born? You were a Texas guy. I would have well,
2: said. I was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, actually.
1: See, I knew I'd get that one wrong.
2: And uh, <laughs> I'd like to, uh, I, I love a quote by Clarence Gatemouth Brown. I was born in Louisiana and raised on the Texas side. Uh-huh. So cool. when I was about nine, we moved to Dallas.
1: Okay. Now, when you say we, I mean, was it a big family My family. Were from? Uh, a bunch of people? It was just five of us. Just five? You know, three kids?
2: Mom, dad, yeah, brother and sister.
1: Okay. Were you the middle kid or the no, oldest No, I'm
2: the experimental child.
1: <laughs> that can be tough. <laughs> and uh, the only musician in the family?
2: No, actually, uh, my mom is a classical pianist to this day. And she's 88 and still teaches about 25 students wow. a week. Blows me away. I don't know how she does it. And um, so... And, and both my brother and sister played instruments all mm-hmm. through school. My brother actually went to uh, North Texas on a trumpet scholarship. hmm So they haven't pursued that any further. Right.
1: but Well, it's hard to take trumpet a lot further. I mean, Jesse Maguire is taking it pretty far.
2: Jesse Maguire is, is one that comes to mind, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the the first music I heard was my mom playing uh, all that great classical music on the piano in the living room. Mm-hmm. And she sat me down when I was about five and had me start to learn piano. And I wanted to, I wanted to play the boogie-woogie music I heard on the radio down in southern uh-huh. Louisiana, right? Uh-huh. She wouldn't have any of that. And, Interesting. Uh, I, I, I got some great education out of it, though, because I learned real fast about intervals and time. Mm-hmm. And, it's like, and that I could hear the pitch. Right. Real quick, I, I figured that out. So uh, I, I got out of the piano... Pretty quick, mm-hmm. and by then I'd already heard an electric guitar, and I, I didn't know what it was, but I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. Mm-hmm.
1: So, do you remember the first record you really that really grabbed you?
2: Absolutely, it's called Arthur's Guitar Boogie. Oh, really? Yeah, and I still quote the solo in it, <laughs> just out of nowhere in some song. It'll it's it'll so jump into my in head, and then I'll just start playing it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and and it was that sound. I, I remember asking my dad, I go, "What is that sound?" And he said, that's an electric guitar. Like, mm-hmm. Well, there you go.
1: That's interesting. And, you know, when you as, a, as an electric guitarist, if you want to take it that narrow, the sound of the guitar is a big part of what people deal with when they're playing, just how a guitar sounds, how the amp sounds, to get a sound before they ever start playing.
2: Absolutely. I, there's something about the way the frequencies that a guitar, acoustic or electric, the way those frequencies can really connect you can connect mm-hmm. with them really yeah really strong maybe. what's your
1: favorite electric guitar
2: oh boy i have to have a strata and a Tele on stage right yeah and I it's
1: ha- pretty much always been that way yeah way yeah one
2: of each I've, I've played a lot of different stuff over the years you know gibsons and had a paul reed smith for a while and all great guitars mm-hmm. but i as soon as I got a Strat and a Telly in my hand, I'm like, yeah, okay, this is a yeah. this is a thing.
1: Ever have ever get into the hollow body electrics much and mess around with? that?
2: Uh, I, I love the uh, 335 style mm-hmm. guitars. I've ha- I've had a few of those over the years. Mm-hmm. The semi hollow. Right. I've never actually had a big one. You know, mm-hmm. a big like jazz box. Right. I think that'd be fun to have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you have to try that one day. When you yeah. get done with this phase, we'll head there. But uh, <laughs> let's go back now. you uh, let me tell or tell me when were you first in the band.
2: My first band, I probably would have been about, let me think, maybe 12. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, that was uh, right at the time of the, the British invasion and all of that was going on. So guitars right. were like all of us kids, man, you know, this is the coolest thing we ever saw and heard. And, we needed
1: haircuts on guitars.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we actually built our own fake guitars <laughs> I know, I and think. stood in the bay window of our house in oh, dallas yeah. and you know i don't we know did stuff. we did that cereal boxes
1: and you know everything we made did yeah. the same
2: thing didn't have strings on them but we would act like yeah. we were singing jumping around
1: that's funny we won't call that when your first band
2: oh no so, that wasn't it okay no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let's get let's how old were you and then when you were playing in your first ensemble probably about 12 okay yeah how many guys like three or four guys
2: uh i think it was me and my buddy he had one of those old silver tones with the the amp built into the case. Right. So you open the case up and you can plug I think it actually had three inputs, okay. two guitars and a mic. Oh, cool. So it sounded you know kind of like that most of the time, but and what did we you guys fun.
1: play? Did you play like what was on the radio at the time or
2: A little bit. I remember playing some Doors. And I remember playing um we got hired actually to do a pool party for a neighbor. Uh-huh. And I played a Count Basie tune, uh-huh. and the kids were like, huh? "Wow!" And the old man that hired us was like, yeah, it was cool." <laughs> <laughs> and
1: you probably because your mom and that classical input, you know.
2: Yeah, and and I had heard you know the Count Basie, and
1: that's amazing. At twelve years old, you're playing a pool party playing Count Basie, a blues guitarist. When did you really dive into the blues? Uh,
2: that's that's a that's a good story. I when Cream was big when they hit. Well, they, they were big the whole time. Right. Yeah. And I read somewhere, I read an article, and they asked Eric Clapton, you know, what, what are you playing? What, what's his style of music? And he said, well, this is just basically our take on American blues. He said, you should go find your, your blues artists like B.B. King, he mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I think I was about 13 when I read that. And I went to the local grocery store. They had a, a record shop, and they sold pipes, and they sold guns, and they sold everything. You know, It was kind of weird. And cheap guitars, by the <laughs> <That's> way. <awesome. laughs> and uh, I found a B.B. King record. I plugged it in, and I go, oh, my God, that's blues? I've been listening to that my whole life. I didn't know what it was called. Right. And I just got completely excited about B.B. King, and I kind of wanted to grow up to be B.B. King, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it was just great stuff.
1: And then did you start playing any other instruments or just stuck, stuck with the guitar?
2: Well, I, I, I can still play piano a little, a little bit, if, bit. I, if, if I sat down with it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I played trombone and tuba in the school band. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I've played some drums. I play bass. Okay, awesome. But mostly guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that when you can play a few instruments, it gives you a little bit better uh, perspective on the guys you're dealing with who are playing the other parts.
2: I, absolutely, and when I play with some of the great players, I get lucky enough to play with. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, I can really enjoy this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: and you do get to play with some great guys. Yes, I do.
1: Now you've uh, when when you came when did you come to Arizona? How old were you then?
2: I was 29. That was 1984. Was that a trip? Don't for, do that, the math. I won't. I won't okay, even to thank begin you. To. Was that from <laughs> Texas? Then yeah, no, actually, um, I went. Up, I lived in Detroit for a year. We, we had been playing around the Dallas area and all that, and uh, the live music scene, which was amazing, just kind of died out at that point. Hmm. So uh, I got hooked up with some guys who said, well, we can get some gigs in Detroit, and I'm like, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that simple. And um, I was up there for a year, and it went pretty good. And I got hooked up with uh, a couple of the old-school, old old-timey old blues guys up there. hmm uh we Willie Warren and Little Junior Kennedy. Okay. They're actually in a I found a blues Hall of Fame book and they're actually in it. And it, it blew awesome. me away. So um we were gonna start doing gigs together and we had an agent and everything and the bass player uh who I'd found in Detroit, I knew his brother and you know, I was kinda tired of looking for bass players. He he says, Let's go to Phoenix. I'm like, okay. Let's go. What the hell, you know? And uh, we went out and bought a a 66 Chrysler that was about 40 feet long mm-hmm. and a, and a beat-up old rental trailer and threw everything in it and came down here. Wow. With a trio, actually. Okay. It was me and um, you You know Scotty Andrews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a bass player. Mm-hmm. And uh, this drummer named Bob Carrier. So we came down as a band. Okay. And, and it, what was the
1: name of that band?
2: That band was actually called the Hugh Beaumont Experience.
1: Okay, the Hugh Beaumont Experience. Which,
2: for years, I thought I had thought of that. <laughs> okay. But I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I had seen that somewhere now that I've, you know, with the internet, you can look stuff up and find everything, right? Right. And I think there was a punk band in Texas called that.
3: Oh,
1: okay. And
2: I must have seen that somewhere. Mm-hmm. But here, here's a, I couldn't believe it. We only did one show as that band here. Right. At Tony's New Yorker. Okay. And, well, I don't know, a week or two later, I'm um, on the bus going downtown to the guitar shop, uh, Bizarre Guitar. Right. And uh, I get on the bus, and I'm just sitting there minding my own business. And this guy walks up and goes, Hugh. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> he explained he had seen me playing at Tony's, right. and right. he thought I was Hugh Beaumont. Sure. Yeah.
1: I laugh him that's pretty funny so is that when you changed the name
2: uh, we met up with Texas Red right at that same time okay and um, it became a five-piece blues band that was the first actual blues band I'd ever played in hmm. you know where it was designated that that's what we were doing right yeah. what was
1: the scene like when you arrived in here
2: it was like seven nights a week everywhere all over town Wow Mill Avenue you could walk up and down Mill Avenue any night of the week, and you'd hear three three bands at least coming out of different places. You know, right? It was amazing.
1: So it was easy to keep the band busy.
2: Yeah, I I worked at that pace for what years is? This? I don't know twenty five years, twenty seven <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, that wow. much. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy.
1: Now, when when you came to town, you were still single, I would imagine.
2: Uh, no, actually, I was I was married. Okay, and uh, you
3: didn't
1: mention she came from Detroit. Was she? Were you married in Detroit?
2: No. Oh, okay. Well, no, I was married when I went to Detroit. Oh, but okay. My wife at the time didn't come along with me. Okay. And it was I was out here about a year before she moved out. Oh, okay. She still lives here. Oh, Okay. You know, my ex-wife at the time now. Yeah. yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah. That's that's crazy. So now um, you're famous as Chuck Hall and the brick wall you're famous as the chuck hall band in terms of this market and beyond really Mm -hmm. so when did uh, things morph into chuck hall and the brick
2: wall uh we were together with tex for about two years and to be honest the 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 main intention when i came down from detroit was to have a trio Mm -hmm. when i met tex and the harmonica player dave trippy they were they were kind of they'd already met and they were kind of hanging out um I could tell Tex was just a rabble rouser, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he, he was just getting things done, and and he, it's funny we've had this discussion to where we both kind of just went, well, okay, I know if he's playing guitar, I can do this, and I'm thinking, well, I know if Tex is out there selling this, I'll be working. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of became that, and you know, we had a lot of fun with it. I mean, it was great, mm-hmm. crazy times. And after about two years, we just kind of said, "Okay, now it's time to do the trio." And I, had, uh, that was Scotty Andrews and Mark Riggs on drums. Uh, the other drummer left after a few months, mm-hmm. and I got Mark out. I had known him from Dallas, mm-hmm. and uh, I knew he was a great player, so got cool. Mark out, and that became the brick wall.
1: Is the trio? Is that your favorite way to play?
2: Um. I love doing that, but now my absolute favorite way to play is solo, Mm -hmm. doing that music. And this new thing. But I got to say, I've never done much with other guitar players Mm -hmm. until I started doing the shows with uh, Ray at Handlebar J, and he's just killer, man.
1: Yeah, he's pretty ridiculous. He's, he's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So that's been a different thing for cuz that that's a you you're up there with two other guitar players and Dwayne's there. Maybe you haven't played with Dwayne being I, like,
2: I yeah, you know. I have sat in on some of those crazy nights up there with the horns and with the with everybody. Whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's, like that's there's 18 different. people on stage. Yeah, you got to find
1: yeah. your space. You got Jay Davis Sloan playing and
2: Well, you know what I love about that is I love playing rhythm guitar. Right. And when I do a trio, I'm doing both right. at Everything. the same time, yeah. you know, and, and I love doing that, but I love playing straight rhythm and I also love playing like, if if somebody's holding down a great rhythm, I'll just play like three notes. Right. You know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, there you go, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I and mean, when you've got someone like Ray, who's the caliber you play, I think that then even if you're playing rhythm, you start to kind of interplay with them a little anyway because they're so inspiring.
2: Absolutely, it, you know? it's it's it from the get go. Yeah, when he when I went and did the first one, it was. Basically, I remembered all the lyrics from all the old blues songs I knew. Uh And I would just holler out a key and start some kind of groove. (laughs) And they're so good. They're just there. They knew it. Yeah. Immediately, you know. and Yeah, it's off to the races.
1: Well, let's talk about that solo stuff. Um, This is a project that's been going on for about how long? About a year?
2: Um, This is where my roots come in. My my real thing. Um, I always had a nylon string guitar around the house and um i would pick it up and this music that was totally unrelated to what i do on electric mm-hmm. just come out out of nowhere right and for a long time i'd be like oh i'll remember that i <laughs> put the guitar back in the corner and you know two months later i go pick it up and i'm like what was that what was that playing no and um in retrospect that's uh is was the origins of what you're going to hear when we play one of these mm-hmm. and i realize it's got all the elements of everything i ever heard in there in little pieces and 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 there's some definitely a classical style to it okay which is no surprise i think my mom yeah my mom had a segovia record okay when i was a kid and she considers segovia you know real guitar right and an electric guitar yeah right exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, before we play it, and we'll play what I'd like to play is Angel Breath. Okay. uh, uh, Those recordings. Um, And by the way, they're not released right now. No one can get it. No, no, no. This is... So we're getting like a world premiere sneak peek at that when we play it. Yes, you are. That's (laughs) awesome. I love it when that happens. I I love it. Are you still in the studio? Great. Come on the show. Yeah. Um, Well, then, before we go there, I want people who aren't familiar with what you've done in the past to hear a little bit of that. So let's play a cut called Young Boy. Okay. Tell me a little bit about this recording.
2: Um. I was walking down Scottsdale Road to do the laundry. One that day. sounds like a country song, right there. I, I, yeah, it does. And uh, it was probably 115 degrees. You know how mm-hmm. it is. And this was 1984. And the song just like an arrow, hmm. just and I'm and I'm doing my laundry at the laundromat. And I'm like, oh, I got to remember this. I got to. It's got to stay in my head. So for an hour and a half, you know, I'm people are talking, and I'm like. Hmm. Singing a song over. To I'm, I'm in my little shell, my cone of silence. <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> today, you call your own voicemail and sing. You know.
2: Yes, yes. This was before technology like my flip phone. That's right. Anyway, that's right. Um, so when I got home, I put it together, mm-hmm. and I go, well, "This is pretty cool." It kind of got a muddy. This version is, is a little more modern, but the original version kind of had a muddy waters sort of thing, you know. And I always love muddy. And it fit in perfect with the Texas Red deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a magazine called Soundboard Magazine back then. Mm-hmm. Ron something. I can't remember his last name. Real nice guy. They had an awards ceremony, and they made Young Boy the song of the year that year. I couldn't mm. believe it. I don't even know if I had recorded it. I don't know if somebody just heard you know, Maybe he heard it at a show or right. what. So...
1: So this this particular recording, then, just, this isn't a studio recording.
2: No, this is live in Sweden from 2000. We were uh, way up in the far north of Sweden, I think within the Arctic Circle. Okay. And they, they were having a huge festival. It shut the whole town down, stages everywhere. Mm-hmm. We were in the blues tent. There's probably 2,000 people in there. Mm-hmm. And we recorded the whole show for two nights in a row.
1: And this version of, the, of uh, your band wasn't uh the chuck hall and the brick wall this no. was the chuck hall chuck band. hall band okay
2: on this cut it's uh junior Cotto on bass and david gamboa on drums
1: cool well, let's check it out this is young boy yeah with chuck hall band here on the auto d show
2: Might take a day I don't care
0: if it takes all week I'm gone.
1: and that was young boy here on the auto d show by chuck hall who was my guest this evening uh that's a great track for a live three piece
2: oh thanks man
1: and you're singing as well as playing
2: yeah on all that
1: and uh that wasn't the first song you'd ever written
2: no the first song i ever wrote was uh i wrote with my friend benny lynn i was about 12 and it was called wildfire
1: Wildfire.
2: Yeah, burning in my heart. Wildfire. <laughs> just to remember it. Something like that's about as far as I can get. Uh-huh. Occasionally it pops into my head a little bit. So you yeah.
1: really started writing
2: very early. Yeah, you know, I I don't know why. It just This stuff just kind of happens. Right? Yeah. So never... do
1: you have any idea how many songs you've written, like roughly?
2: Wow. Uh, kind of hard to say. I don't know. Maybe 250. I don't know. Mm hmm. Yeah, I've, I kind of let go of it for a while mm-hmm. and picked it back up, and it comes in spurts. I, I never really know quite. I, I'm not what you would call an intentional writer. Right, it just happens to it you. just sort of You get the
1: muse, you get some sort of inspiration.
2: Yeah, or just the whole thing will stab me in the head mm-hmm. like an arrow, and mm-hmm. I've got to – nowadays I can record it really fast. But back <laughs> right. in the day, I, I wrote a song called Pollyanna that I really like, and um, I, I had a job at the time where I would – walked to work about a mile and a half carrying this like 50 pound toolbox mm-hmm. and the whole thing just jumped into my head on the way to work and i'm like oh no and this was oh 1981 or something so there you know mm-hmm. no way to record it and or whatever and i had to get to work i was there eight hours and they got radios going all around the place and i i managed to hold it in my head wow I got home and and wrote it and uh still do it
1: that's pretty so, cool yeah Wow, what was that job, by the way?
2: Oh, I was a what they call a make ready mechanic at a car dealership. Okay. So I was I would screw your car up really good before you bought it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that was my job. <laughs> Not really. No, no, no. Not
1: really good. Uh, well, listen, you know, it's always funny the the jobs that people have. You know, musicians because it seems like almost every job they have isn't something they want to do; it's something they have to do. So you end up with lots of funny jobs. So, do you ever have any other interesting little sidelines?
2: When I moved here was when I finally made the full commitment, this is it, this is what I'm doing for a living, right. period. It seems a little late in life, but I'm kind of a late bloomer. And um, But when I got here, I, I sat down and, and one night, and I don't know why, but I thought of all the jobs I'd ever had mm-hmm. from my very first paying, like, you're paying taxes on this right. kind of job. And from the age of 14 till about 24, I had 24 jobs Holy cow. that I could remember. And two of those were for a year and a half each. Wow. Yeah. And both of those jobs, I could have easily uh, retired well. From, oh, yeah. You know, but.
1: What were some of these things you did?
2: Well, uh, I worked, um, started off as a dishwasher, of course. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? Right. right. Yeah. And um, one of the jobs, it was a year and a half, I worked at, the city of Richardson, which is a suburb of Dallas. And they started me off on the asphalt crew. And then I moved up to the concrete crew. (laughs) And I think they were kind of grooming me to move into the supervisor category, but
1: which would have been good.
2: Yeah. But I, I, you know, after a year and a half, I'm like, Oh man, I I just want to, that's when I was starting to really think about playing guitar for a living. Mm -hmm. And then I had another job, um, running a, it was a mobile car wash gas station. You pull in, you mm-hmm. get gas, you drive around, you get a car wash, mm-hmm. right? Cool. And that was cake, man. Right. I didn't even have to be there till 10 in the morning. That was just total cake. Perfect. But then they wanted to move me up and put me in what was like the first gas station convenience stores. Hmm. And... um. That was six in the morning. So that was not I lasted about here. three days. <laughs> I was say I'm, was like, I'm out of can, here.
1: I can only do it if I can come straight from the bar when I'm done playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So either I start at 2 a.m. or I don't come in until noon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's wild. And then uh, you spent a long time, as you get a little older and you may be a little more responsible, you spent a long time at Fender.
2: Yeah. Whose I headquarters
1: was, were here for a long I time. I was
2: there uh, 2004 to 2010. hmm And then I uh, did a lot of contract work for them afterwards. Mm-hmm.
1: And what were you doing with Fender?
2: Well, when I first started, I was on the telephone, mm-hmm. what they call consumer relations. The consumer, to them, is the actual person who goes in a dealer and buys a, a guitar or amp and takes it home, right? Mm-hmm. So these people had a line to call and find out how their stuff worked or gripe about <laughs> it or cool. tell you how great you were or whatever. And I, I did that for about a year and a half. No, about a year. And... Um, had some fun with that one and then they 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 had originally hired me they wanted when a slot opened up they wanted to move me into the marketing department for guitar amps Mm -hmm. and um so i ended up there with a great guy shane nicholas who's still still doing that Mm -hmm. and uh my first day on that job was uh go in the sound room and crank this amp up and let's compare speakers yeah i'm like Well, this is cool.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. To be the guy who demos all the guitars and amps and approves them for sale. Yeah. Well, you know, there was an interesting uh, group of people working at Fender. All of these local, incredible, cool musicians all kind of gravitated over there. And and, uh, it was a pretty cool community.
2: My first, oh, I'm going to say four or five months, I'd go walking around the building, always saw somebody I didn't know work there that we knew each other. Right. And it was always like, oh, man, welcome to Fender. You know, yeah. it's so awesome.
1: Well, and it's it's an odd thing when you're in the music community as a performer. Everyone's working on the same nights. So you don't get to go see each other's bands very often. Right, and, not that much, And so you don't no. really seem to run into each other, even though you, you know you're all part of this community. And all of a sudden at Fender, a lot of cats are running into each other. Yeah. Because they're all there at least at the same place during the day. Yeah. <laughs> because they're, they're never going to see each other at night. It's kind of wild. And so you say you were there till 2010?
2: Yeah, and... um uh, we, we both just moved on, and mm-hmm. then they kept me uh, doing, like, the NAMM shows, mm-hmm. and then I would go out and do um, different industry trade shows, mm-hmm. and uh, they'd send me to different dealers, and I'd do demos and clinics and I mean, videos, things like that.
1: Okay. You never really played around much with acoustic guitar, did you, before this new no. thing? So this whole new thing with the classical uh, guitar string? and
2: When I was i think i was 14 I, I had a fender villager 12 string mm-hmm. that was back when everybody was going wood you know and i thought oh, okay i'll try that no i got bored with it real quick and ended up with it went and got another fender electric mm-hmm. and uh but i did always have the nylon string and i always got something magical out of that interesting that would stick in my head and it finally you know i, I finally followed that road
1: well, let's let's play a cut. Then that we were talking about being the world premiere of this new uh, piece of music, "Angel Breath." So, is uh, this is solo? Yes. So, there's not much to tell me about who's on the record. It's just you.
2: It's just me. It's a whole take. Hmm. I, I prefer to record this that way. Hmm. And uh, to the consternation of any engineer who would have to sit there, <laughs> ho- hopefully, this was one or two takes. I don't remember. <laughs> right. And there, there's a good story behind this song. I. I have to consider that my uh, my beautiful wife Ann is the muse for this music because mm-hmm. I know it's been in there somewhere, and I because and it, it would come to me. But right about the time we got together, I was had already worked up a little bit of it, but I didn't really think in terms of going that far and turning it into a show. You know, mm-hmm. it was just kind of like self entertainment, mm-hmm. and I'm I can't explain why but something about her that just brought all of this boom it just bubbled up and i said that's it i'm i'm gonna finish this stuff i'm gonna create a show mm-hmm. you know and um i don't know why but it's a beautiful thing and i don't i don't need to know why right and uh, this is one of two songs that i purposefully wrote for her oh cool yeah this is called angel breath
1: very cool, and it goes out to Marianne. Yes, here on the Auto D Show. This is Chuck Hall and Angel Breath. <laughs> uh, 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 oh, it is. Is it? This sounds like John Lennon to me. Uh, so let me pull that. Where's that file at? All that set up, and you know what? I may have to pull that in again on the CD. We're going to go to another track on okay. the record. Uh, the assignment.
2: Yeah. Same thing. I, I purposefully. Sorry, Marianne. Yeah, I'm this pull is, it up. Though this is from Marianne. Okay. I, um, a mutual friend of ours asked me if I could write a song that sounded like how I feel about Marianne. Right. Right. And this is what I came up with. It's kind of, it's definitely uh, sexy. It's it's a little complex. Okay. And um, uh, another friend of mine. In fact, the guy that recorded this said that's like a how would he, how did he put it. a a lush uh, oh god what was the word he used
1: I'm not sure I wasn't
2: yeah (laughs) it's going to come to me okay yeah well let's check it out this is the assignment the assignment from Chuck Hall
0: Live.
1: And that was the assignment from Chuck Hall here on the Auto D Show, where Chuck Hall is my guest. Uh, <laughs> that is a real departure from what you've done in the past.
2: Yeah, but it's uh, not to me so much, because right. it's always been in my head. Right. You know, And uh, but when I do it in front of people, they're, if they know me by reputation... Right. They're like, know,
1: When's it, well, come on, Chuck, when are you going to get... I'd like to, to like say, like and now for are. something
2: completely different... <laughs> <laughs>
1: I bet. So if you're if you're out doing a solo gig today, if somebody knows they're going to see you playing solo, is this what you're playing?
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Okay. So if they if they hear it's the Chuck Hall band, that's another thing.
2: That's the other cut, the yeah. young boy.
1: And are you still playing out essentially with the group and solo right now? Or I do. I do some band
2: shows. My main some. band show is with. Uh, the, Herndon the Herndon's over at Handlebar J, you and know, that's happening
1: what, once a week. You're over there now, second or? Thursday a month. Oh, second every Thursday month. month. Second, yeah, yeah. Be sure to check that out because it's a variant on what they're doing, and it's uh, it's really cool to see that.
2: Well, Ray calls that uh, rhythm and country blues, and like I said, we just kind of throw it throw it together on the spot every time. It's always mm-hmm. a little different. We've kind of got a little little grooves that we do, mm-hmm. and. Man, they're so good, you know, and they put their thing into it. Yeah. So it it's going to come out different than what I do.
1: Well, now on that song, the assignment, uh, did it come to you what the guy, what the gentleman called it this, as when he described it for you? Do you remember?
2: Oh, Freddie. Yeah, Freddie Freeman called it um, a lush tapestry of music. There you go. And I went, wow, I did that. Cool. And,
1: and uh, tell me a little bit about Freddie.
2: Well. Freddie uh, has written some songs that have gotten him on gold records. There you go. Yeah, so he, he I think he knows his stuff. i was say, he should
1: know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's pull up uh, that other track, Angel Breath, because yes. I do want to hear this just because. Yes. Not just because I screwed up. But just be, it just was supposed <laughs> to be a great song, and I was looking forward to it. But you know, Angel Baby and Angel Breath are really close in the iTunes pretty list, you know, alphabetically. Pretty close. I kind of yeah. screwed up on that one. Oh, no, that's all right. But here's, uh, let's just check out a little bit of Angel Breath. Here on the Auto D Show from Chuck Hall. you've written about forty of these.
2: Uh, yeah, forty-four. I think was the last count.
1: Okay, and you've got a dozen of them recorded now in the studio.
2: Yeah, and this is really not a completely a first effort, but pretty much a first effort.
1: And are you going to uh, release these in batches, like uh, in a multiple records of this stuff, or are you going to?
2: I don't know. I, I, I've got. I don't really have a plan. And right now, place just in yet. the
1: creative process, to get it out.
2: But I got to get. I got to get off my uh, duff and we well, start spe- recording. Speaking this.
1: of what you've got out, uh, you've got some records or music available online or, or in stores or what's yes,
2: iTunes, it? Spotify, Amazon, courtesy of Fervor Records, by the way. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: And so, do you? Um, uh, those are under different names. Some are Chuck Hall in the they, Brick Wall. Or, uh, uh, right?
2: Yes, there is um, my very first Chuck Hall in the Brick Wall. It was a six-song demo that we recorded as a demo. You know, you remember those days? Mm-hmm. You make a cassette, mm-hmm. you go around and hand them to all the bar owners, right? Right. And um, a number of those songs have actually ended up on TV shows. Interesting. Thanks to Fervor, which cool. is really cool. And then there's a Chuck Hall band, which most of this is on there. This disc right here, this has got like three different CDs worth of music. Mm-hmm. And I think they have all of this. And then I they actually uh, had me come in and do a new record mm-hmm. at the Bomb Shelter studio. Right. And uh, that's called Hillbilly Wild. Okay. And that's on there as well. Cool.
1: And then um, if people wanted to get a hold of you or kind of track you down a little bit, have you got a website up? Uh,
2: my my wife is actually, Mary Ann's actually at home right now building a new website. Oh, perfect. I don't know how she does it. It makes my head hurt. <laughs> she's she's figuring it out. Do you know what the domain is? Uh, that will be chuckhallmusic.com. Okay. Okay. And our, that's also our Facebook page, Chuck Hall Music. Okay. And uh, you can message us on there. And
1: Cool. Book the band. Book bu- your solo.
2: Yes, you can book the band <laughs> or the solo. Yes.
1: Perfect. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about maybe one of the craziest uh, gigs you've you've played. You've been in and out of the country a bunch. You've played all over the country, and you've been playing a long time. So yeah. I'd imagine there are a crap load of funny stories, or scary stories even for that matter, that have happened on the road.
2: Wow. Uh, you know, one of the strangest gigs I ever had, we played two nights in this uh, place in northern Sweden, actually where we recorded that okay. young boy. Mm-hmm. But this was about three years before that mm-hmm. with different guys in the band. and um, But the same engineer, actually. He was okay. doing the live sound for that. We weren't recording okay. it. Interesting. Anyway, I, I learned how good he was the second night because we got on stage, and all of a sudden, I've never heard it sound like that coming through the monitors. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I don't know if it was an out-of-body experience or what, but I was kind of up above the whole crowd looking down on people's heads. <laughs> <And> <laughs> wow. No chemicals, no alcohol involved. Just a good sound man. And, yeah. <laughs> Jalen. And And um, I kept checking myself. I'm going, what the? What is going on here?
1: Isn't that it, it strange? It was
2: just bizarre. Yeah. Ever
1: happened to you again like that? Do you ever no, feel like
2: No. It's interesting. I, I've, I've had plenty of great moments. Right. And I've had some of the opposite as well, you know, mm. but nothing like that. that How about weird. some
1: of the people you've had an opportunity to play with or open for? Any oh. Any great memories there?
2: Well, like I said earlier, I, I wanted to grow up to be B.B. King. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I moved here in 84... Within about six months, we were opening for B.B. at the Celebrity Theater. Mm-hmm. That was a Texas now, Red and a Heartbreakers cool. band. That and had to be I quite just, a treat. Now, I, had, I met B.B. when I was 16. Me and my buds walked around backstage after the show and just kind of pushed on a door and it opened. <laughs> and B.B. <laughs> saw us and he said, come on in, boys. <laughs> I love it. This was, this was amazing. He stayed with us after this show for an hour and a half in his dressing room. One of his kids was there and a, and, and a gal, and I got to play Lucille, and he, Holy cow. he answered every dumb question we could possibly come up with. That is awesome. So uh, when we opened for him, I thought, wow, that's, I wonder if he would remember that. Mm-hmm. Well, his manager came and told us, he said, after the show, you come on down to the dressing room if you want to hang out with Mr. King and bring all your people with you. Right. I'm like, wow, you know, this guy's amazing. What a gentleman. Right. So we get down there, and I tell him the story, and he goes, I played 300-something dates a year. I'm sorry, I don't remember that. Because <laughs> <So I'm like, laughs> he I,
1: does that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Brings people down.
2: Yeah, absolutely amazing.
1: That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I want to go back and play another one of your cuts, too, uh, Cold Shot, but before we do, I don't know if we have time, but have we, you had once shared a story with me about Julian Lennon. I don't remember if it was before we started the show or after.
2: Did yeah, you just, no, we were talking about it before. Okay, before well, tonight, I mean, yeah, yeah. tell me. A little yeah, bit. Uh, well, it was the uh, brick wall. We were playing Etzel's attic, which uh, most people knew that as being on top of the Spaghetti Company. Right. Right. I get that all the time, uh-huh. and um, I look up and I go, "Wait a minute, that's Julian Lennon," and I just seen a video of his on MTV.
1: Right. His first record was just probably hitting about then.
2: Yeah, and. Um, and then there were some other guys with him that I'd seen on MTV. You know, they were kind of like the, the hit men, the back, mm-hmm. backing guys mm-hmm. for a lot of people. So I'm going, wow. Okay, so I got the on Edsel's break. Attic. Uh, yeah, Ethel's <laughs> Attic. I got on break and went out there. And Julian came up and introduced himself to me, which was really cool. And um, he said that they, they were playing the celebrity the next night, but they were in town with nothing to do, and their manager said they should go see us. Awesome. So I'm like, Well, this is cool. And um, they ended up hanging out the whole night. And then at the end of the night, you know, I think everything closed at one back then. Mm -hmm. He wanted to go have a few, and uh, I wouldn't object. And uh, we go across the street to a place, I think it was called the Um Club or Club Um or something like that. And he's flashing a roll of bills. So next thing, you know, we're in the door, and we're up at the bar, and he's, kept flashing a few bills and now we're drinking uh-huh. and we were there till probably 3 mm-hmm. three thirty in the morning and the whole time he was talking about he wanted me to play on his next record and um we're swapping numbers and i got his management's number and he got my phone number and i got his and um so i get home late and my wife at the time uh Asked me what I, why it was so late. And I said, well, I, I, I know you get that at 1. Yeah, I've, I've been out with uh, Julian Lennon. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. So uh, phone rings the next day, and it was Julian. So She sheepishly handed me the phone, you know. and That's funny. And uh, th- I thought that was so cool. And I actually spoke to Julian a few times and, and his management as well. And then he kind of disappeared for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, it was that close. That would have been fun. Yeah. Missed it by that much. Yeah, it know? probably would have been fun. Yeah.
1: But let's uh, play a little bit of Cold Shot here and tell me a little bit about this. You actually tracked this one time on, you, or on another record with the uh, Oh, when you, when know, you were 16 and, nat- and where was that? I'm, I'm probably all wrong.
2: I uh, may have done a version of this on a, a, a cassette we put out called Loud and Proud. Hmm. I can't remember. Okay. But um, we actually did a – the Brick Wall did a record in Houston, and the producer handed us a disc, and this was one of – as suggestions for songs, mm-hmm. and this was one of the tunes on it. Up until that point, I thought Stevie Ray had written this, but it turns out another guy, Mike Kendricks, I think was his mm-hmm. name. I did not know that at the time. And now
1: this recording is from Sweden again?
2: Yeah, live in Sweden, same it's, as Youngboy. We've
1: got just a few minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and play just a little bit of this because it's uh, so indicative of the style most people – associate with chuck hall as a a guitarist right Mm -hmm. so let's check out a little bit of uh, cold shot here on the auto d show is awesome. Thanks, man. It sounds so cool, and the groove is just so so tight. I love it.
2: <laughs>
1: Listen, we're gonna run out of time,
2: Chuck. Oh, time flies. I know. I can't believe yes. it's an hour already. Gotta yeah. let you go.
1: But you know what? I'm not gonna play my closing music. I'm just gonna ride out on this.
2: Oh, that's that's cool.
1: And come on out to uh, <laughs> come on out to Handlebar J on uh, second Thursday of every month.
2: Yeah. Oh, and I also wanted to mention I've got a couple of really cool festivals. Oh, cool. Coming up in June. If you go to the website, ChuckHallMusic.com, or you go to Facebook, Chuck Hall Music, you can find them. Awesome. Great. One of them is uh, down kind of in southeastern Arizona. The other one's up near the White Mountains. Perfect. And they'll both be a lot of fun.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks yeah. for coming in, man. This was a lot of fun.
2: Oh, thanks for having me, brother. You got to Talk to you yeah. soon. All right.
0: And that's a pill shot, baby